0: So today we are in Psalm 20, Uh, and if you saw the the title of the email that went out, it's called God Bless the King. Um, And since we're talking about kings and kingdoms, I thought we would start with our adoration verse from Revelation chapter 7 verses 9 through 12, uh, which is the great kingdom fully come, full redemption, and this is what it will be like when We experience the earth renewed and redeemed, and we get to be with our king, Jesus. And so Revelation 7, 9 through 12 says this, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all the tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. So as we talk about kings and kingdoms, and obviously we're we're dealing with some political stuff, we'll just call it stuff uh, in America right now. And um, I think it's so good for us to center our hearts around what it will be like when we are with Christ fully and, and in this world, sin and death and pain is wiped away. So let's adore the Lord who redeems all things.
1: lost at the fall Running away when i hear you call Father you worked your will. I had no righteousness of my own I had no right to join in your throne Father you To adopt me as you own, you have raised me up so high above my station. I'm a child of God by grace, and grace Jesus, you face was said. And I worked my fingers down to the bone, and nothing I did could ever atone. Jesus, you paid my debt. And by your blood, i have redemption and salvation. Lord, you died that I might reap. You have song And you rose that I might be A new creation I am born again By grace, grace alone I was in darkness all of my life I never knew the day from the night But spirits you made me I swore I knew the way on my own. Head full of rocks, heart made of stone. Spirit, you moved in me. And that you touched my sleeping spirit, was awakened. On my darkened heart, the light of Christ is shown Called into a kingdom that. I'll be shaken Heaven seed is in by grace, grace alone So I stand in faith by grace, grace alone I will run the race by grace, grace alone I will slay my sin by grace and grace alone I will reach the end by grace, grace alone.
2: In times of trouble, may the Lord answer your cry. May the name of God of Jacob keep you safe from all harm. May he send you help from his sanctuary and strengthen you from Jerusalem. May he remember all your gifts and look favorably on burnt offerings may he grant your hearts desires and make all your plans succeed may we shout for joy when we hear of your victory and raise a victory banner in the name of our god may the lord answer all your prayers now i know that the lord rescues his anointed king he will answer him from his holy heaven and rescue him by his great power some nations boast of their chariots and horses but we boast in the name of the lord our God. These nations will fall down and collapse, but we will rise up and stand firm. Give victory to our King, O Lord. Answer our cry for help.
0: All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it is always good for instructing us and teaching us. I ask that you use it to challenge us wherever we're at, and to call us into hope in you, more than anything else. I ask that you'd help me to speak only what is true and right. I that you'd open all of our hearts and minds to understand and to be transformed. And um, I ask that you would keep us focused. And uh, even though I'm sick, Lord, I ask that you'd help me to, to get through this uh, intelligently and, and quickly. Um, speak, speak your word into our, our hearts in your name. Amen. All right. Uh, Psalm 20, we're doing the whole thing this week. So if you're new, uh, what we've been doing this year is we've been going uh, through scripture and asking, how did discipleship happen? And for the summer, we decided to go through the Psalms. And it's really important because the psalmists can actually disciple us as well. So we've been going through the Psalms and exploring each one and looking at uh, the voice of each one or the emotion of each one, what they're talking about. Today, We come to Psalm 20, and it's really just, it's a prayer for the king, which is why we've titled it, God Bless the King. Uh, And I want to explore the psalm, and we're going to do it quickly, um, through two lenses. Uh, First would be praying for the king, and then second is the heart of the psalm, the heart of Psalm 20. So praying for the king, and then the heart of Psalm 20. And the psalm can really be divided into two sections. The first is verses one through five, and that would have been chanted by all of the people uh, in unison. And then the second section would start off with the high priest. And he would initiate in verse six, And then the people would respond with him uh, in verses seven through nine. And so this is something that they did corporately together. This isn't a guy just randomly writing uh, by himself and exploring emotions. This is for the people gathered to to chant together And it's also interesting uh, because this psalm is the first psalm in all of the psalms where it's not written in first or third person, it's written second person. So they're talking to somebody. It's not a person just praying by themselves, but they're using things like you, speaking of someone other than the Lord. And so that's just an interesting thing. So I'm going to read the first five verses and we're going to talk about what it looks like to pray for the king. Uh, May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of God, of the God of Jacob, protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May he remember all of your offerings and regard you with your burnt sacrifices. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all of your plans. May we shout for joy over the salvation. And in the name of our God, set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions it's interesting the, the first section starts off with obviously the people praying for an individual. Well, well actually telling the individual what they are praying for and how they're petitioning God and, and the, the person isn't named explicitly until the very end. Rather, what you see is a slow buildup of this person's identity. And so in verse one, you have someone who's in trouble. May the Lord answer you in the day of your trouble, but he's also a worshiper of God. Verse 3, this someone has offered sacrifices to God uh, that were pleasing, and they're asking God to remember those sacrifices. Verse 5, his, his victory constitutes the victory of all the people as they place their banners up. He represents them as a whole. Verse 6, he is the Lord's anointed, and then it drives to this great crescendo at the end, Lord, save the king. And what we find out as we're reading this is that they're going into war. Specifically, David is going into war, which is why he says some trust in horses and some trust in chariots, but we trust in the name of God. And and David is God's anointed leader over Israel. He represents God's people, all of Israel, just as the great high priest would be anointed over all of Israel. And so David and the high priest and all the priests would be kind of a, a, it would be the, the federal head before Christ and represent all Israel behind them. Um, And so the people pray that God's, that David's will would come true as they enter into this battle. And so the drive of the Psalm is that the people are praying for their king, their leader, and praising God as they do it. And so the question for us would be, how do you apply something like this today? Is it possible and this is where we, we would immediately go. Actually, I did something that I normally don't do when I prepare sermons. Uh, usually, when I prepare sermons, I don't like to listen to, to pastors teach on the same topic that I'm teaching on because I feel like it's kind of cheating or something. I don't know. I just don't want to steal all their stuff. But I mean, is there anything new under the sun? I'm stealing that from Ecclesiastes. Um, and, but this one I did because I thought, I wonder if I'm missing something here. In, The majority of the sermons that I listened to translated this into modern day to say that we should pray for the president and for the governing authorities. Um, Like, more than half of them that I listened to. I've had a lot of time to listen to sermons being locked up in my little office by myself. And they continuously say, what we learned from this psalm is that we need to pray for the president and pray for the governing leaders. And so how do we apply this? do we swap the king out for the president is that what this psalm is teaching us and i think the answer is no i don't think that's the answer i don't think that's what the psalmist would do and i don't think that living in the covenant that we have with christ that that's where it points us Uh, i don't think we can and and i think psalm 20 actually offers us something much more rich and dependable than praying for the president But before we get there, I do want to say that we should be praying for our governing authorities. It's a good thing and something that we're told to do in scriptures. So 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 2, first of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings, and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Uh, Jeremiah 29 7, but seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. So praying for the authorities is a good thing, even though I don't think it's something that Psalm 20 is calling us to. And that really is something that we need to ask ourselves. Uh, in, In such a politically divided culture right now, do you pray for the authority over you? Do you dislike them so you struggle to pray for them? Those are important things to consider. So first, I want to say praying for authorities is good, but I think if, we, if we're going to stop there, we miss the real heart of the psalm. We miss the identity that it speaks into us and, and is identifying with us as we follow Jesus. So what is the heart of the psalm? When God called Abraham and began to form Israel. He was building a people for himself. And so as you read throughout the Old Testament, um, constantly the call of God in the Old Testament is, I called you. I formed you. I rescued you to be a people for me. You're my people. So Israel, underneath the rule of David, was God's unique set of people, and David represented that people when they went into battle. Constantly God says, I formed you, I gathered you out of nothing for my name's sake. So David and the priests were the anointed leaders by God for his people. They represented the people. They represented the people who were the kingdom of God. And then when Jesus came to earth, he started using kingdom language. And he started to say over and over and over, the kingdom of God is here. And then when challenged, what? rule he had in his trials, he said, I have a kingdom that is not of this earth. Paul, after his conversion, writes to the church and says that there is a kingdom of darkness influencing the governments of the world. And so what they begin to reveal to us is that there's actually the kingdom of God that exists within his people, and then all of the kingdoms of the earth. And those kingdoms are all influenced by the prince of the power of the air, according to Ephesians. And so we don't live in a realm where there's just one kingdom to be united under. And as an American Christian, I am part of the kingdom of God, and I am also subject to the kingdom of America. And this is important because the king and kingdom I most love is the one I put the most hope in. And I I wanna make this even more practical because I don't think it has to just do with the kingdom of America. What kingdom or king will win the war and solve the problems? So if you were to look across our cultural landscape, what problems would you begin to see? If America is in trouble, what is it? What is the problem? And what are we looking to to solve that problem? What's your hope in? And that's when you begin to ask the questions, do I believe in the kingdom of social justice? Do I believe in the kingdom of freedom or gun rights or veganism or Democrats or Republicans? Do I believe in the kingdom of self-responsibility? These are all kingdoms that are calling us to stand underneath their banner, just as Israel was standing underneath the banner of David and the kingdom of God. These are kingdoms that call us to put our hope in them. And when I consider those things and I read Psalm 20, and instead of putting the name of the president or a philosophy to live by or another kingdom, another movement, if I put in the name of Jesus, what I find is I already have a king, a king that actually conquered all of the troubles and will redeem all the troubles, So this psalm reminds me that I already have a king. Verse 9 says, O Lord, save the king. And God, in fact, did save that king. Jesus is our king. Jesus waged war just as David is about to against sin and death for his people. Instead of us praying for Christ, he is the one who prayed for us and then sacrificed himself for us. God raised him from the dead so all God's people can say, now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. And we set ourselves under his banner and his kingdom and claim, may your heart's desires and all your plans be fulfilled. Because Jesus is the only king and the only leader that you would want all of his desires to be fulfilled. God saved the king. And he saves all of those who trust in that king. And those people will one day see Revelation 7, 9 through 12. So I want to read that once again. Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 12. This is what our kingdom that we belong to first will ultimately culminate in as we hope in it and resist to make idols of all of our other kingdoms. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all the tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. When we're gathered physically as a church, every week we take communion. We break the bread and we dip it into the wine. And we break the bread and dip it into the wine, the wine because it reminds us that Jesus sacrificed himself. And that's how he defeated the trouble. That Jesus prayed for us and that God raised him from the dead and made him our king. And that as the followers of Jesus, we belong first to the kingdom of God, and second, to the kingdoms of the earth. We remind ourselves that the kingdoms of the earth and the things that promise us that they're gonna fix all the problems, we remind ourselves that they won't. And that it is only through the sacrifice of Christ and his redemption that the world will be healed. And so I wanna pray and worship the king who actually solves the problems. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Psalm 20 and how it has reminded me very heavily this last week that my hopes can often be divided, that my loves can be divided, and that I can put my hopes and things on this earth more than I put them in you. In the kingdoms of this world, we will never offer perfect redemption. That's only found in you. So, Jesus, thank you for being our king. Thank you for defeating death and sin and walking in victory. Thank you that we can stand underneath your banner, underneath your name. Praise God for saving and raising the king from death. Thank you that you redeem all things and that you redeem us. We praise you in your name, amen. Let's praise the Lord in thanksgiving.
2: If we
1: have some peace to pass, if we have received and send us down to you cross we run though all thank you that you give us a hope um, that doesn't leave us afraid that we're not going to be okay. Leave us afraid that we need to grasp onto some kind of control or hope in something that we can see and, and feel and tangibly uh, grasp onto, but that we can trust you that what you've given us uh, is eternal hope. What you've given us is already completed and it can't be undone. And I pray that we just, um, As we go into our groups, we can engage with the ways that we maybe grasp onto the things around us a little too tightly or fear and then try to fix the problem or try to nail it down in a way that really just doesn't align with the the hope and the love that you've given us. So I pray that uh, that would happen for your glory, Lord. We love you. Amen.